The scripture this morning is Mark 6, verses 1 to 6. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus left there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things, they said? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? And how are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and aren't his sisters here with us also? So they were offended by him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. He was not able to do a miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the village, villages teaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for reading that. All right, so we are uh, back in uh, the book of Mark. Uh, it's our practice here as a church to go um, verse by verse through books of the Bible. Um, so we took a break. We did uh, a series in the Ten Commandments. And now we're back in Mark, and I'm excited to be in there. Could you turn my mic down just a little bit? Yeah, I can do that. Is that what's going on? All right. Okay, so cool. All right, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, you can follow along uh, if you have a, a Bible with you. All right, so people will oftentimes miss out on resources because they don't know what is available or how to access it. So I'll give you an example. Um, my wife had to have emergency gallbladder removal surgery this year. Um, that cost a lot of money. If you didn't know that, it does. And it, we were looking at our budget, and we were like, uh-oh. It's going to mess up uh, our budget for this year. And so we were praying and asking the Lord for help. And we had a conversation with our neighbor. And our neighbor said, hey, uh, do you know that you can apply for financial assistance through the hospital? I was like, no, didn't know that. And I said, here is the website. You should go and do it. I was like, OK, OK. So th this is an opportunity that we would have missed because of two things. We didn't know it existed. And we didn't know how to get it. And because, because we know the assistance existed, and then we were given the directions of how to get it, we were we are able to be eligible for this opportunity. And so we know that Jesus has blessings to give us. He has good things to give us. But we have to be careful of the sin of unbelief because it can cause us to miss out on God's blessings, okay? So, so I said, there's, there's blessings you just want to give us. There's something available, but how do you get it? How do you get it? Faith. Faith is the mechanism for receiving God's blessing. So we have to be careful of unbelief because it can cause us to miss out on, what, on the good things God has to give us. So let's pray, and then we'll dig into the text. Father, would you help us to understand your word? Oh, your word is eternal, is God-breathed, it has power. So would you please uh, um, work powerfully through the preaching of your word this morning. Help us to know you in and through your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 
Start with verse 1. It says, he, Jesus, left there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. Now, listen, I, I need to point something out. I always feel the need to point this point out. Um, is, is If you say you're a disciple of Jesus, you follow him. That seems redundant, yes? Yeah, that seems redundant, but you would be surprised in how many conversations you could have with somebody, and you depend on what you say. Do you believe in Jesus? Are you a Christian? This, that, another. Then they'll say yes. But if you if you change the phrase just a little bit to "Do you obey and follow Jesus?" your answers will be a little bit different. And and in this passage, we see the definition of what it means to be a disciple. It's not just assenting to different truths about Jesus, but it's following him and saying, I'm going to be where he is. We had a conversation about this in our student ministry uh, last, last Wednesday. We were talking about this idea of faith and what is faith. And somebody directly asked me, what is faith? Which was, they kind of put me on the spot because I wasn't ready to answer that question. Uh, but I said, okay, well, how can I explain this? And I said, you know, there is a semantic range of the word faith in the Bible, meaning depending on the context, it can mean different things, okay? And part of the range of faith is I believe something to be true, but also part of the range of faith in the Scripture is allegiance. I, be- see, I-, I believe something to be true. That's, that's one I- idea of faith, but the Greek word for faith can also mean allegiance, And so we have to be informed by what the word means so that we can understand if we have faith or not. And I I can explain it to you by these these two different things. Listen, I I believe in gravity, yeah? And I'm sure you do too. We all believe in gravity. Does gravity have my allegiance? I I don't don't think so. I don't, you know, I mean, I don't like, I don't think that happens. But however, however, do, do I have faith? And my wife, do, do I believe she exists? Yes. Yes. Do I have allegiance to her? Yes. And in that subtle distinction, we have a more robust meaning of what faith is. It's not simply believing something to be true, but faith in Jesus also means I am pledging allegiance to you. And that's why we can see his disciples. His disciples are like little ducklings, you know? You see a duck go somewhere, and you see little ducklings just follow. They don't, they don't have to know where we're going, what's going on, what we're going to do when we get there. But Jesus is going, and I guess we just go follow. And sometimes that's what our life feels like. We don't know exactly where we're going, but we just want to be with Jesus where he's at. Discipleship, discipleship. Do we simply believe in Jesus, or do we give allegiance to him? Now, when we get to, to verse 2, we can see this, this truth, is that there is something uniquely awe-inspiring about Jesus. Look at verse 2. It says, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things, they said? What is the wisdom that has been given to him? And how are these miracles performed by his hands? Now, I need, to do a, I need to do a little bit of an aside, okay? One of the things that you will always find about Jesus is when it, it, is, when it is the day that God's people gather, where is he? He's always with them. He's always gathered with God. It is a habit of his. So even though he had issues with how the Pharisees interpreted what the Sabbath day was, one of the issues that he did not have was that when, when God's people gather, we just go. 
That's just one of the things that to do. That's a habit that he had. Jesus was always at the weekly gathering of God's people, and we ought to make it a practice as well. And what's so crazy is that, that if you were in the synagogue that day when Jesus was speaking, it is 100% for sure that you would have heard God's word. Because Jesus is speaking, yeah. But we have a promise today that when God's word is spoken, when it's preached, that it's not simply that we're learning something, but that God himself is speaking to us. Now, y'all know I'm kind of a dork. And one of the things that I do, listen, this is going to let you know how much of a dork is. I spend my time, sometimes I just like reading doctrinal confessions. I know this might be like paint drying to you, but that, that's one of the things I read. And this is, this is, this is a, from a confession called the Second Helvetic Confession. It's awesome. All right, but this, this is what it says. This is what it says. This is, it's defining the Word of God. It says, the preaching of the Word of God is the Word of God. Wherefore, when this word of God is now preached in the church by preachers lawfully called, we believe that they proclaim the very word of God. That's crazy. So, so what he's saying, insofar as the preacher sticks to the word of God, that when you are hearing God's word preached, you are not just listening to information, but the God of the universe himself is communicating to you. And what's so interesting is I know this to be true because, listen, I don't have a, an outsized uh, uh, view of myself, but sometimes when I'm talking to people about what they heard when God's word was preached, sometimes I'm like, I don't even know if I said that, but I'm glad the Lord used it for you. <laughs> like, like the Lord can take this general word and as it's being preached, he, he applies it specifically to your heart. Listen, if God's going to speak and I know where it's at, then I wouldn't be there. If it's not a mystery, if, if when God's word is preached, he's speaking, I'm like, well, maybe I should just go over there because I'd like to know what he says. God speaks to the hearts of his people in the gathering. Why would you want to miss that? The teachings of, a G, of Jesus are astonishing. Now, what's interesting is y'all know we read the whole verse, right? And so it starts off with like, man, what in the world is he teaching? This is crazy. It's amazing. He has miracles, which should give you pause. Like, why didn't they believe him though, right? So it's not that they struggled with his teaching. They're like, it's awesome. It's awesome. We like it. We saw him do miracles. So, so we got to ask ourselves the question is, is, what is so awesome or astonishing about the teachings of Jesus? See, the truth is we are desensitized to the radical teachings of Jesus because like it or not, it's so baked into our culture. I give you an example. I give you an example. Do you think you should be nice to those who are weak? Everybody's like, duh, but I want you to understand something. Before the message of Jesus, that was not common sense. That was not common sense. Jesus tells us to be kind to the weak, and the culture beforehand did not believe this. Listen, uh, in ancient Greece, particularly in this, this city-state called Sparta, if a child was born with defense, they would throw it off a mountain. It's not, it's cursed. Get rid of it. Listen, in the ancient world, someone was assumed to have angered the gods when they had misfortune. In other words, if someone's down and out, everybody's common assumption is that they deserved it. And what's crazy is, when I say that, you think that's crazy. But imagine if that's your context, and Jesus comes around saying, be kind to the weak. What? Aren't they cursed? 
That's why, that's why when, when uh, uh, Jesus healed the man who was paralyzed, before, before he healed them, his disciples said, did he sin or did his daddy sin? Why? Because they just assumed. It was, it was in the air that they breathed that if someone is having a hard time, they probably deserve it. And Jesus comes with these radical teachings that, no, if someone is having a hard time, you don't just pile it on them. You show grace and mercy to them. See, the norm back in the day and the norm sometimes in our culture is that might makes right. If you got the power to do it, you do what you got to do. And Jesus says, no, the one who had all power emptied himself to serve the weak. He, he, he flips this on, on, on its head. See, Jesus says, blessed are the merciful because they shall be shown mercy. And again, you're like, that doesn't sound too astonishing to me, but to the people who heard it, what? I don't need to be, especially if that person is my enemy. See, instead of just debating why someone is in need, Jesus just commands you to help them. See, Jesus taught that, that the greatest leadership trait was servanthood. And you'll find books written by secular authors extolling the goodness of servanthood and a servanthood mindset set, set in leadership. And you got to understand, before Jesus, that was foreign. If I'm the leader, you do what I said, we're going to be problems. You do what I said because I'm who said it. And Jesus says, no, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. We need to understand that, that the, the Christian ideas the Christian sees the ideas that we simply take for granted. What's commonplace to us is, is astonishing to those who first heard it. Did not Jesus say, love your enemies? Look, before Jesus said that, ain't no, ain't no enemy love. That ain't no, 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 you get up out my face. No, I'm, I'm going to come kill you and take your stuff. There's no loving your enemies. Jesus tells us that blessing and happiness are found in life with God. And even today, we often assume that God wants to prevent our happiness. One of the, one of the sad things about translations, and sometimes it, it can get messed up, but you, you've ever heard the Beatitudes, blessed are those who blah, 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 blah. Another way to say it is happy. That's what it means. Happy. Happy are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. He's sitting there, and his first teaching is he's like, we all want happiness, right? He's laying out how to get it. Happy are you if you listen to me. Listen, his teaching is astonishing. Jesus teaches us that we do not have to earn God's favor and love. Again, in the context of his culture, that was unheard of. You mean I don't got to do anything? I don't, have to, I don't have to fast a lot, and I don't have to, have to go through these rites of purification. Listen, we should, you should just, if we broaden our view of culture, we could go to some cultures that have not really been uh, affected with the principles of Christianity. We could go to a culture like, like, like India, and we could see rites and purifications and all these things that you have to do so that the gods will be pleased with you. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't earn God's favor. You receive it because there is grace. All of that is astonishing. And beloved, the miracles of Jesus are astonishing. Jesus healed a variety of illnesses, blindness, paralytics. He even raised the dead. We see in the life of Jesus that he is 
casting out demons consistently. There's one story where, where there's a father who's so concerned with his son. He says, listen, there's a demon because every time he's by water or fire, he just throws himself in there. And Jesus says, let me heal this man. See, the miracles of Jesus attest to his teaching. Acts 2.22, this is Peter preaching. He says, this Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him. In other words, why does Jesus have miracles? He's not a magician. He has miracles so that when he says something, you go, I should probably listen because he can do a lot of stuff that I can't. Yeah? And what's interesting is, and even today, even today, people are still all inspired by Jesus. Still. Listen, if you pay attention to the news, both sides of the political aisle try to claim him. I don't know if you noticed that. One side goes, well, he has these morals, so we should do his morals. And the other side goes, well, he loves the weak, so we should do this thing. What's interesting is the conversation isn't forget about him. They're both trying to claim him. Both of them are going, well, there's something good about him. That, well, I hope he's on my side. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, listen, listen, listen. Even, listen, the second largest religion in the world is Islam, and even they hold Jesus in high esteem. They don't have everything right. They do not believe the fundamentals that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, but they say stuff like he's the word of God. They say stuff like he was born of a virgin. They say stuff like he, he did miracles. What's interesting, what's interesting is even when people don't have all the right things to say about Jesus, they still go, but he's cool, though. Like, we like him. And many will say, you know, I don't, I, I like Jesus, but not the church. Why do, why do they make that distinction? They're like, I don't like the church, but, but when you talk about Jesus, I still kind of like him, though. It, people who don't even darken the walls of the church, they're like, but I like him, though. Listen, I've, I've, I've had the privilege of being in other countries where I got to tell people about Jesus who had never heard them. And they don't always believe but they always admire him. He did what? This perfect man died for me? Even if I'm not sure if I'm going to follow him, that's still pretty, that's some, that's some intense news right there. See, many may not worship Jesus, but few disparage him. That's how astonishing he is. His teaching, his miracles, his persons. When we get to verse 3 and 4, we, we need to hear this truth. Do not get overly familiar with Jesus and take him for granted. Look at verse 3. Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. Listen, they were offended because they just were used to him. They just, we, we heard it. We, we, we know this guy. We saw him grow up. What's interesting is, remember, they didn't say his teaching was wrong, and they didn't say he couldn't do miracles. They didn't say the opposite of the truth, but they had just got used to him. And, and they, weren't, they weren't surprised or marveling at his teaching. Oh, well, we, we remember when he was 12 and he was saying that stuff. That was not that interesting to us. See, see we know that... that one of the cause of real relational problems is over-familiarity. Right, okay, so how many marriages get stale because the person that once inspired deep affection is just normal? They didn't change. But your perception of them, you just kind of got used to them. 
Oh, I guess so. Yeah, that's cool. But he was writing all letters to him and stuff. Like, you see, like, like, like we understand that there is a real relational problem with just becoming overly familiar with someone. And we need to be careful of that in our relationships. And most importantly, we need to be careful of that with Jesus. We need to be careful. Listen, they were, were offended because of his humble beginnings. If you'll notice, if you notice what they said, they don't mention his dad. They say, we know your mama, we know your brothers, we know your sisters. Why do they say that? Because they, deep down, they're like, well, he said he was born of a virgin, but we know. They, they, were, they were saying, nah, he, he's from this illegitimate union. I know his family, his sister, she ain't that pretty. It's not impressive to me. I don't know. How could the son of God come from such lowly settings? See, Jesus sees that their familiarity with him caused them to lose their respect and reverence for him. And we have to be careful that our heart does not become dull with a sense of over-familiarity. And th this is even more so a danger for us because of the, the area that we live. If you grow up in a Christian family, if you grow up in, in the Bible Belt in the South, you, everybody and mama know who Jesus is, but not everybody is, is, is amazed by him. And it's not because he's less amazing. It's not because he doesn't teach the same. It's not because he didn't do and teach and die and rise again. Everybody's saying, yeah, we think he did that, but it's like, whatever. Let's go watch a different TV show now. No, no, we have to be careful of that because their over-familiarity with Jesus <coughs> caused them to miss out on the blessings that Jesus wanted to give. See, when we get to verse 5 and 6, we get this idea that unbelief can block some of God's blessings. Look at verse 5. He was not able to do a miracle there except that he had laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed. They were amazed and he was amazed. And he was amazed at their unbelief. The, the, the people did not receive the fullness of the blessings of God because they did not believe in Jesus and his power. And I need to say this. This was not an intellectual problem. It's not, there is a space for if somebody is wrestling with the claims of Jesus. There's space for that. But that's not this story. They looked at him, they're like, oh, God, he's awesome. Wait, I know his mama, though. You see what I'm saying? Listen, listen they, they, they just got used to him. These folks, they already testified that his teaching and his power were authentic, that they were awe-inspiring. This was not an issue of the mind. It was an issue of the will. They knew about him, but they just, for one reason or another, didn't want to believe him. And they, so, so what you need to hear this is that they had an informed rejection of him. They, 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 they knew, who, I know who he is, I know what he says, I know what he does. He did, I know he did miracles over there, but, but for whatever reason, I just don't believe him. And Jesus is amazed at this informed rejection of him. It is like very, you can't see Jesus being amazed at a lot of stuff in the text. Like stuff happens and he's like, I knew that was going to happen. But Jesus is looking at their unbelief, knowing that they know who he is, knowing that they just said he was amazing and going, what? <laughs> but listen, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm amazed at my own unbelief. Like, I, I can see from the scripture, and I have years of testimony that God will take care of me. Yet I can be in a, in a, in a, in a current circumstance and go, I don't know. 
Now, I, I didn't not believe any of the, like, it's not like I, I, I didn't believe who he is or what he said or what he has done in the past. I, I believe all that stuff, but in the moment, I'm like, ah, I'm not sure about today. He helped me two years ago, but this, this situation I'm in right now, I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and when you sit down and when you think about it, that should be amazing to you. Because you can go, well, he's been faithful in this way and this way and this way and this way. And you start naming all the ways he's been faithful. But right now, I'm not so sure, Jesus. Listen, what can we miss out? How can we miss out in our belief, unbelief? We can miss out on the teachings of Jesus really sinking deep down in our hearts. Here's the reality. Everybody in this room is going to go through some form of suffering. And you might be in it right now. So that's the commonality. But some of us are going to go through it with a sense of peace. And some of us are going to go through it with a lot of anxiety. What's the difference? Faith. The experience might be the same or similar, but my ability to encounter hardship and have a sense of joy and peace is me believing that Jesus is who he said he is and that he's going to do what he said he would do. So I miss out on something tangible. I miss, I, like, like, he offers me peace, and I'm like, I'm not sure if I can believe it, though. And that I miss out on something. <coughs> we can miss out. I, I got to get some tea. Got to have a call. We can miss out on some of the, the tangible revelation of his glory and of his goodness if we don't believe in him. And, 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 and there have been times in my life where I feel like I had faith and, and times are hard and it was okay. <clears throat> but there's been times in my life where times are hard and I didn't believe. And that was a lot less enjoyable of an experience. <laughs> What's interesting is this. <clears throat> the mission of Jesus continues whether you benefit from it or not. If you read the last verse, he's amazed, and then he just kind of just goes about his business. He was going around the village just teaching. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to leave here. They ain't about that life. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to miss out. I, I don't want to see him, his blessings and his, his mercy and his peace and his joy being poured out. Thank you. And I miss it. <clears throat> the reality is... If these villages, if they believe, they would have received a blessing. Point blank. That's what it is. And I don't want to miss out on what Jesus has for me. And I don't, I don't want you to miss out on what Jesus has for you. Remember, we go back to the top, right? So Jesus wants to bless you, and there is a mechanism to receive. And that's faith. Knowing the truth about who he is, not getting overly familiar like, well, I heard that before, but going, no, 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 no. What he said is true, and I believe it. All right. There's this, this old hymn. It says, it says this. It says, let me at the throne of mercy find sweet relief. Kneeling there in deep contrition, help my unbelief. I love the rawness of that song. He's like, I, I, I want to be near you. I want to get the relief, but can you help me? though? <laughs> and I love that the Lord honors that. You might be hearing this, and you might be going, 
yeah, but you don't know about my current situation. You don't know what's happening. You don't know the, the trials. But you can at least say this, Lord, I know that there is peace in belief and I'm struggling with it. Can you help me? Can you increase my faith so that I don't miss out on the joy and the peace and the blessing that you want to give me? One thing I love about Jesus is he doesn't teach us to do stuff he didn't do. Listen, listen, Jesus had some times in his life where he had to have some faith. Okay? So one of the things, if you look at the Psalms, some of those Psalms are quoted as if, they're, as if Jesus is speaking first person. So one of them is Psalm 16. Peter quotes it. And, and, and there's a devotion that was called the Songs of Jesus. It's a, it's a devotion about the, the songs. So we need to see these prayers as being prayed by Christ himself. It'll open up a lot of meaning for you. But this is what Psalm 16.10 says. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. What is happening here? Jesus is looking at the fact that he's about to die. And he is expressing faith in the promises of God that he will not be left in the grave. He will not decay because God will raise him from the dead. See, Jesus believed in God. Therefore, he had the experience of help and relief, even as he was going through the pain and suffering of the cross. The faith of Jesus sustained him and the trials of his humiliation. And we benefit from it. Jesus received the blessings of the resurrection and our salvation. So the question for us is, do we believe in him? Not do I believe in gravity, believe in him. But, 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 but do I put my trust in him? Maybe you're here and you, like, you haven't done that for the first time yet. Maybe you don't, you're, you don't, you just say, I don't know about Jesus. I don't know if I accept the claims yet. I don't know if I really trust him. Listen, listen, you are leaving peace and joy on the table. And what's interesting is you can look around and you could see others experiencing this joy and this peace. And you will never experience it if you don't have faith. It's, it's just so interesting. I, I, especially some, some of the young people you can see, you could, might see in your parents, oh man, they... They, they've been through some stuff, but they seem pretty solid. What's the difference? They have faith in Christ, and you can have that too. But this is a call not just for someone who hasn't done it before. Beloved, we all need to continue to believe in Jesus. We must have present faith for the present benefits of life in Christ. Let's make it plain. Some of you have trusted in Jesus, but you are still burdened with guilt and shame. What's going on there? What's going on there? Beloved, we have these promises of forgiveness. But what you are struggling with is unbelief. Yeah? And so, and, so, and so you don't get to experience the joy of forgiveness because you don't actually believe what he said. And again, what's the solution? Jesus, help me. I want to believe what you say so I can experience what you would give me. Some of us have trusted in Jesus, but we are filled with anxiety. We don't take Jesus at his word when he says, look, look at the, look at the lilies. They, they, don't get no, they don't have to prepare, but they're beautiful. Surely you're, you're more, more than that, aren't you? Say, so Jesus, I, I want to believe that. I don't want to live in this anxiety because you have given me a way of peace. Help me to believe. Some of you have trusted in Jesus and 
and you lag in spiritual growth. But you can't look at the promise and says, actually, I'm not the one who's in charge of my spiritual growth. Philippians 1.6 says, he who begun a good work in me will complete it. All right, Jesus, help me believe that. I want to experience that. Beloved, we have to have faith and expect to receive the blessings of God that are laid out in the scriptures. Otherwise, we will be like Jesus' hometown. We'll assent to the truth about Jesus and we'll witness him do other stuff that's cool in other people's lives, but we'll miss it ourselves. So there's this opportunity here for everyone that you would take Jesus at his word and that you would believe him and that if you're struggling with unbelief, the answer is not to beat yourself up. The answer is to go, Jesus, help me. Help me believe so that I can receive the blessing that you want to give me. That's my encouragement to you this morning, to believe in Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. How your word, it tells us the truth. Let us never grow overly familiar with you or your word. Let us not be uh, unawed by who you are and what you have said. Keep, keep our love for you fresh. Our belief in you, young and vibrant. Lord, because we want to receive what you would give us. So help us to be a church that that just takes you at your word and has faith and receives the blessing that you would give. In Jesus' name, amen.